Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, House Bill 728 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop House Bill 728. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. What's up on this Monday morning? Glad to see you guys on uh, what's going to be a really cold week. Winter is here, or winter for us anyway. Winter is here. Uh, glad to see you guys, though, talking a few things. Uh, one, got to talk about that Wild Saints game yesterday. Uh, we all had seen that movie before, until we hadn't. And uh, Tom Brady blew it yesterday in the Dome. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then... Jameis's injury, and it sounds like the team's just going to push forward with what they have. There is some speculation about Cam Newton. Doesn't sound like that's coming into coming into fruition. We'll see that. Also, I've got a thought on uh, injury situation, not just Jameis, but uh, but with Ole Miss. I was asked Saturday night about ceiling and floor for both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Ceiling and floor, and that's a really tough question to answer right now until we get a lot more. Uh, information about injuries and stuff for Ole Miss because right now uh, they're a shell of themselves, offensively anyway. They're a shell of themselves. We'll talk about that. And finally, the top 25 came out. And luckily, after Tuesday night, you don't have to look at the AP anymore. Like They are rendered completely irrelevant starting Tuesday. But still, we're doing these polls, and polls do matter. Rankings do matter. It reflects a lot of things. It is at least to some degree used in recruiting. They get these so hilariously wrong, and it's just another example. The AP poll this week is another example of how broken, truly broken, the college football landscape actually is. Because there, there is one in particular. Uh, the 6-7 in the AP poll makes no sense whatsoever. No sense at all, but yet here we are. And there, there's a few more things that I'm bothered by as well, like uh, who's still ranked and who is not ranked. So we'll get to all that. I want to remind you guys first, though, if you're watching on Twitter, you cannot uh, uh, comment or anything like that. So if you want to be a part, actually be a part, find me on YouTube at Michael Borky on YouTube. Find me there and uh, subscribe to the channel. Actually like the video as well uh, while you're here and uh, click the notification bell. You can also follow on Twitter and Facebook. I'm not huge on Facebook. Uh, I, I leave messages unread and stuff like that. But uh, if you ever want to reach me, I promise I'll get to them. Uh, if, if you find me on Facebook, send me a message, uh, Twitter, DM, whatever, comment on YouTube. I'll see it. It just might be a, a little bit more delayed on uh, on Facebook compared to the others. Also, where I get, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, my name or Mike in the Morning should get you where you're going. All right. How wild was that game yesterday in New Orleans? I mean, we have all seen that movie before, right? Everybody has seen that movie before. Tom Brady down to gets the ball back with, you know, just under two minutes left in the game, gets the football back. Some questionable play calling from the Saints when they got uh, inside of the red zone to, to seal that game. Uh, you know, not ideal. I think they only ran seven seconds off the clock or so. 
And yet, and yet, Tom Brady, the guy that has orchestrated 50 game-winning drives in his career, 50 of them, threw a pick six in the Dome to seal the game. It was an incredible, incredible moment. I, I mean, I... I even put on Twitter, I swear, you guys can still uh, go find it if you follow me, where I said, we've all seen this movie before. And then he threw the interception, and I said something in all caps that, in the moment, in the moment, felt right. Now I kind of look like a goofball. But either way, wow, what a game. And and even with without Jameis, who was playing, I mean, he looked the best he's looked all season in, in that game. I mean, he was playing really well moving the football, really beating Tampa with his legs, which was a nice change of pace, and then he goes down. And yet they still put up 36 points, should have been 37 if not for a missed extra point. Um, They ran the football well. Trevor Simeon threw for 160 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he, boy, he made one bad mistake that was called back because of a questionable roughing the passer penalty, but I mean, that's just a huge win, a, a massive win, and that defense is for real. I mean, I know they had a couple of blown coverages, but um, that pass rush is for real. That defense is for real. And we knew that already, but the takesman after the Monday night game where uh, the only thing that people could talk about was Geno Smith and, and nobody really gave credit to the Saints defense, now at least maybe we'll actually start to realize that that unit is special. They're good at every level. Uh, having Amanyata back and, and Marcus Davenport healthy, they're special. But there's that caveat that Jameis Winston did get hurt. Uh, I mean, everybody's reporting that it's you know knee ligaments and out for the season and all that. Um, I didn't quite understand the the Cam Newton stuff. I, I didn't quite get it. You, you know, maybe. Maybe the team sees it differently than me. It, it doesn't sound like it, though. It was reported this morning that the team is going to kind of go with what they have, at least for now, until something changes. And I think that's the right move. I mean, Trevor Simeon is not some kind of bum, right? I mean, it's not like he's this random backup that nobody's ever heard of, that's never done anything in the NFL, and he's not capable. Like, he's a guy that has started games in the NFL, has won games in the NFL. Has he been great? No, he hasn't been great. I mean, he was a starter for essentially two years in Denver. Uh, he beat the Saints as a starter in Denver. Um, I think they're going to ride with this, and I think it makes sense. I mean, I mean, we've seen it the last two years. They went 3-1 and one with Taysom Hill last year. They went undefeated with Teddy Bridgewater two years ago. It is a team that is built to sustain some level of decent play even without exceptional quarterback play and so with with Simeon and he showed it yesterday he's capable of doing just enough and that may be all they need I I just I don't know what adding Cam Newton to this team right now adds to this team right now you know what I mean and yes he has more skill than Trevor Simeon let's not get that twisted but Simeon's been around uh, knows the system, doesn't have to get acclimated, has started games in the NFL before, uh, looked pretty good yesterday. Team appears to really like him. Just bringing in Cam Newton now, what does that add? You, you know, what what does that add right now? I mean, maybe something. Maybe the team finds that there's something there. Or maybe they trade for Gardner Minshew or whatever. 
Um, but no, that report this morning, let me pull up who it was because I, I don't remember. Um, I guess I didn't save it. I thought it did. Um, either way, it's being reported this morning that uh, the team is, is comfortable with where they are, and, and I kind of see why. I mean, what did Simeon do wrong yesterday? Uh, he did just enough to beat the reigning Super Bowl champion who returned everybody who's playing really good football right now, and he beat him yesterday. Orchestrated multiple touchdown drives, played well. It was thrust into a situation that he wasn't ready for, and, and now look at him. Um, I, I'm just I'm not ready to just pass him off into the sunset. Again, he's not just some kind of bum. I mean, he has started games in the league before and, and, and done well enough. Um, bad teams too. Not like they, those were great Broncos teams that he was on. Not compared to this roster, anyway. But anyway, to bring it back local, I, I was thinking about this yesterday, and, and I saw something from College Football Nerds this morning that really brought it into perspective in, in terms of of Ole Miss and what they are right now. And the the early line for the Liberty game in some places, was 10 points. If you can go get that somewhere, go get it. Go go get Ole Miss minus 10, uh, regardless of the, the injury situation. Go get it if you can. Um, they are simply a shell of what they're supposed to be uh, offensively, and they've kind of been like that for a few weeks now. Matt Corral has two bum ankles at this point. He is throwing to... A walk-on wide receiver. That was his best wide receiver the other night, was a, a guy that's a walk-on. Um, his slot receiver is a converted quarterback that, quite frankly, does, just is not aware yet. Just not aware yet. Um, the people... This is a shining example of what I was talking about this summer when people are blinded on our radio show, uh, one one of the people on our radio show said that he was going to be an 800 yard receiver this year. I mean, that was other, that was nothing other than just blind love for a player and not actual like logic. That that was not rooted in logic. This was always going to be what he is. It's transitioning from quarterback to a position you never played in the SEC. You don't just snap your fingers and become an elite wide receiver. It, it doesn't work like that. And we're seeing the growing pains of that as he's having to play a lot more. And, and largely being rendered ineffective. But on quarterbacks on two bum legs, Drummond has tried to play. He can't. I mean, he, he's really dealing with injuries right now. I mean, credit to him for trying to play through it, but but he can't. Braylon Sanders, their most talented guy, has been out for weeks and, and can't get back on the field. Uh, Mingo's still on crutches. Uh, and, and now the offensive line's banged up. I mean, you lose Ben Brown for the year. You're having to shuffle guys and move guys around. They are a shell of what they are supposed to be. And the fact that they've won the last couple of games before this one is kind of remarkable when you consider how banged up they are. They don't have the depth right now to sustain those kind of injuries. But like I said on Saturday, I mean, who does? Who has in college football, who can lose their starting tight end, their top three wide receivers, multiple offensive linemen, and still score at a high level. You know, not very many. So I was asked ceiling versus floor. Ceiling versus floor for the rest of the season for Ole Miss. Uh, they have four games left. It is Liberty, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, 
Mississippi State. They will win two of those games against Liberty and against Vanderbilt. And I've already seen it. I've already seen Ole Miss fans scared of Liberty, and I just don't understand what – I mean, this is a team that lost to Louisiana Monroe. This is a team that scored three touchdowns at Troy. They couldn't beat Garrett Schrader in Syracuse. This is not – I mean, I don't know what people are watching. I mean, I guess they're just so enamored with Hugh Freeze. He's a good coach, but that's all he is. And good coaches, he's not a great coach. He's not the best one. He's not Nick Saban over there. Uh, I mean, he's not Ryan Day. He's he's good. He, he's quite good at what he does. Good coaches cannot make their uh, just completely, totally overwhelmed or what will be overwhelmed players not that way. They cannot make their offensive line just snap their fingers and be able to block the team that is second in the SEC in sacks. They, they cannot just... Good coaches can't make those players better than even Ole Miss with a bunch of injuries. They can't do it. I have watched Liberty more than I care to admit this year, in part because they've just kind of been on. And Malik Willis is a good player. He's very, very talented. Um, He will play in the NFL. I think people like Pro Football Focus severely overrate him. If... 10 of the 14 SEC quarterbacks played his schedule, they would all uh, light him up or, or light, light that schedule up. Every, I mean, all of them. My God, what would Will Rogers do? What would Matt Corral do with Liberty's schedule? If you're impressed by Malik Willis's numbers, uh, plug Matt Corral in that system against those teams. Let, let him play Louisiana Monroe every week and tell me what happens. Let, let Will Rogers, who threw three incompletions against Kentucky this weekend, play Louisiana Monroe. I, I promise you it doesn't go how it went for Liberty if if Matt Corral or Will Rogers are playing quarterback there, if Bryce Young is playing quarterback there. Bo Nix, I mean, on down the list, Zach Calzada would light up Liberty's schedule. They absolutely would. So I, I am blown away that some people are scared of this game. When you look at what this team is, oh, Hugh's going to be fired up. Well, what does that What does that matter? What does that do? It doesn't change the fact that his players are not as good as the ones that they're playing at all. Um, Willis is fine. He'll make some plays. But this is a game that they will win, and comfortably. They, they will. Same thing with Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's worse than Liberty. Uh, they're awful. So there, there's two wins still remaining for Ole Miss, regardless of their injury situation. But if they have not changed, if it's still Corral, Jacor Pearson, Casey Kelly, who's he deserves more credit than he gets, but he is not the team starting tight end or wasn't going into the season, possibly in part due to his injury. But still, um, if this is what Corral is dealing with, if it's Jacor Pearson, Casey Kelly, John Rice Plumley and the, the two Jacksons with a banged up offensive line trying to beat Texas A&M. I don't know if they can do it. Um, the the injuries finally came up to bite Ole Miss, and and yeah, you can you can talk about officiating, and you can talk about fourth down play calling, but I mean, there one was there. One was a good play call. Corral just threw it at Kelly's feet. Uh, just just a bad throw from him, uh, uncharacteristically bad throw from him. Um, 
I mean, you can you can talk about the refs, and I know it was bad. It was very bad. But like I said Saturday night, it is really hard to execute in the red zone when you're down that many guys, and that is why Ole Miss lost the game. Despite whatever you want to say about the officiating, and I, again, I agree, it was it was a horrendous. The, the spot, the forward progress spot was the most egregious one of them all. But there was a holding on Jake Springer that extended a drive that just was not. I mean, it just a phantom, just a completely phantom penalty call that shouldn't have been. I, I understand all that. I, I do. And it's real. And, and your complaints are valid. But the team still had chances, and they couldn't capitalize. And I, I've seen a lot of people, that loss is on Kiffin. I, I mean, I get why you say that. But again, how many coaches not at football factories like Alabama or Georgia could lose their three best wide receivers, their tight end, two offensive linemen, and have a quarterback with two bum ankles and go to Jordan Hare and win? Really not many. So their situation, if it does not improve at all, changes the outlook of the season. Yes, I mean, can they beat AM? Sure, they can. I mean, yeah, they can. Um, but somebody's got to be healthy. You know, maybe try to give Drummond the week off if you can, or, or really limit him. Uh, maybe, maybe Braylon Sanders, who was in uniform on Saturday with another week off, can be ready for that game. That would help them a ton. But right now, they're a shell of what they're supposed to be. And l- luckily, their defense is playing well enough to win games. I mean, they gave up a touchdown in four of the first five drives against Auburn and then three points for the rest of the game. Uh, they're playing well enough to win, so that that helps a lot. Is you're losing these guys and your defense is playing better, so maybe that balances things out. But um, right now they're a shell of themselves, and I think expectations should be adjusted. Considering that it is only year two, it's hard to build depth in two years, and, and they're working on it. But um, I think it's fair right now to adjust expectations for those other two games, Texas A and M and at Mississippi State, who's playing better and looks really good. And we'll see if State can be consistent this weekend in Fayetteville. That's a tricky game for them. Um, we'll, we'll see if consistency is something that State um, has added because they can go to Fayetteville and beat Arkansas. They can beat Auburn. They can beat Ole Miss. They absolutely can. Uh, they're probably right now going to be favored against Ole Miss. If the game were to be today, there's no probably about it. They would be. Um We'll see if they can add consistency to their improved play, and we'll find out in Fayetteville. But um, I think expectations, if this continues to be their situation, should be altered some. For whatever that's worth, that's just what I've been thinking about for uh, for the last day or so. Is If they happen to lose to Texas A&M, people are going to say things, and, and if they're still without Mingo, Drummond, and Sanders, and Corral's still hobbling, I mean, what what else do you want, you know? What else do you want? It's uh, it's a tough situation for them right now, for sure. All right. So the top 25 poll from the AP is out. And I know the poll doesn't matter. I know. And if you're wondering, the college football playoff poll comes out Tuesday night. So now that one will actually matter. But those people do this also. Where, And let me show you the poll, actually. Let me share the screen with you. So you guys can see what I'm talking about. It's not that bad. It's really not. But there's a couple of things in here that really bother me. Really bother me. 
And actually, I'll get to a few of your messages first. Zach says, mad that a one-point loss is keeping NC State out of the ranking, so State can't say they have three ranked wins. Yeah, man, that uh, Manny Diaz might be saving his job in Miami with the, that win over uh, NC State, and he beat Pittsburgh. I mean, he might be saving his job. Um, Paul says, good morning, Borky. Can I just say I'm sick of seeing freaking yellow flags? I hear you, man. I hear you. That I mean, it really was bad. I, I By saying what I said Saturday night, that Ole Miss is the reason Ole Miss lost and not officiating, I'm not dismissing how bad it was. It was bad. It was really, really, really bad. Multiple times, inexplicable things happened. The forward progress spot still does not make sense. Where he spotted the ball and then kind of looked around and ran five yards forward and completely changed that drive that the Springer penalty was was especially awful, that they were very bad. Ole Miss still had their chances, though, and could not capitalize. But I, I hear you. I, I do. It's it's valid to be upset about that, no doubt. But Ole Miss still had chances and, and could not capitalize. Uh, Zach says, Michael Borky, known Garrett Schrader hater. No, I love Garrett Schrader. He's just not, you know, he's, he's not Matt Corral or 10 other quarterbacks in the SEC. You know, he's, I like him. But man, he's uh he really struggles throwing the football, or at least in the limited times I've actually watched Syracuse this year. All right, so here's uh the AP top twenty five. For whatever it's worth, I, again, th- this is rendered useless on Tuesday night, but this still bothers me. If you're gonna have a vote, if this is gonna be your poll, get it right. Georgia at one, they should be Cincinnati two. I get it. They're not better than Alabama, they're not better than Oklahoma. They'd lose to a bunch of teams behind them, but still, I get it. Oklahoma four, Michigan State five. Don't quite understand that because Michigan State's undefeated. They beat a top 10 team just this weekend. Alabama does have one loss, but I'm not going to argue about this too much. The top five is fine. Georgia, Cincinnati, Alabama, Oklahoma, Michigan State. I'm fine with that. I think Michigan State has one really high-level player on offense and otherwise really wouldn't be able to keep up with with Alabama. So I, I get it. That's fine. Here's a big issue. Six and seven. Six and seven. I know it's close. I know it's a lot of ballots mushed together. Ohio State's at six, and Oregon is at seven. Ohio State's at six, Oregon's at seven. You guys remember a few weeks ago when Oregon went to Ohio State, went to the Horseshoe, 104,000 people, and beat Ohio State? You remember that? Because I remember that. And they have identical records. And their their strength of schedule is marginal. And oh, by the way, Ohio State really struggled with a bad Penn State team this weekend. How on earth is this appropriate other than it's Ohio State and they get the benefit of the doubt? What about this makes any sense? It's one number. I know that. But if you're going to do a poll, get it right. And this is wrong. Oregon beat Ohio State in Columbus and they have an identical record. If the committee does this same thing on Tuesday, it's just laughable. It's a joke, and we'll talk about it on Wednesday. But this just really grinds my gears, man. Ohio State lost to Oregon at home. Their records are identical, and yet Ohio State's ranked ahead of Oregon. What are we doing here? What what are we doing here? What a waste of time. Wake Forest is being undervalued. Wake Forest is better than Notre Dame. Wake Forest is better than Michigan. They have a better record than both of them, and they're still behind because we can't give Wake Forest credit for being a good team. Uh, So, again, Notre Dame 8, Michigan 9, Wake Forest 10 
Oklahoma State 11 behind Auburn at 12 and A&M at 13. Um, Baylor 14, Ole Miss dropped to 15, which uh, feels appropriate, I think, but um, we'll see if they can get healthy. And luckily, they get this non-conference game this week to try. Texas San Antonio, who, by the way, just gave their coach a fat extension and announced it uh, to their team with a big, big buyout. Yeah, like a $7.5 million buyout, and the team went nuts. It was a pretty cool thing to see. Um, Oh, no, breaking news from Schefter. Oh, no. Derrick Henry suffered a potential season-ending foot injury. Oh, no. Oh, that sucks, man. Oh, I'm sorry. That just came to my phone. That's, oh, man, that's terrible. Oh, I hate it for that guy. He's he's so much fun to watch. Anyway, uh, BYU at 17, Kentucky at 18. Yeah, Kentucky's still at 18 after getting smoked by Mississippi State. Here's a, a, my other issue, okay? Here's my other issue. I know Mississippi State has a loss to Memphis. I, I know, and I know they have a loss to LSU. Those are bad losses. Let's not sugarcoat it. Those are bad losses. LSU is bad. Memphis is very bad, as it turns out. Those are bad losses. But Iowa, guys, they suck. Forgive my language, and that's very lowbrow, like unintelligent. Iowa's bad. They are very bad. They cannot score. Iowa could not score on Madison Central High School, okay? They cannot score. Iowa was a benefactor of an easy early schedule. Yeah, they've got a great punter and they play good defense. Iowa cannot score. If Iowa and Mississippi State played today, Mississippi State would win like 24-3 to or something like that. Iowa cannot score. They're, they're, the fact that they are still in the teens after the performances they've put out there and the offense that they have is a joke, but let's continue. Penn State is still at 22. Penn State is still at 22 despite being 5-3 and three right now with a home loss to Illinois. If Penn State and Mississippi State played today, who would win? Who would win? Same record, right? Same record. But Mississippi State has a win in College Station. Mississippi State has a win over the number 18 team in the country. And yet Penn State still belongs where they do not. And by the way, Mississippi State, Pittsburgh lost has a loss to Western Michigan, by the way. Pittsburgh lost. NC State, a team that Mississippi State beat, by the way, is ahead of them. And I get Wisconsin where they are. Wisconsin being there is fine. But but State's not even 26th. They're 29th in a ranking that has two loss Fresno State in front of them, whose best win is UCLA. They have three loss Penn State in front of them, who is now on a losing streak, by the way. Uh, Penn State, who lost to Iowa, Illinois, and Ohio State, ahead of them. I know it's just a poll, and it doesn't really matter, but that kind of stuff drives me insane. Get it right. If you're going to do a poll, do it correctly. Get it right. This is incorrect. This is not right. It's a waste of time. I mean, the fact that we even put any stock into this whatsoever for any point in the season is a joke. And you go look at how some of these people voted. There's no way that they actually watch or or look at these teams at all when they make their ballots. Some, I mean, there's no way some of these people actually do this. There's no way. 
Zach says the thing about six and seven is, is it close? There's a 60-point difference there, which means every voter had Oregon under Ohio State or over half of them had Oregon at least two spots under Ohio State. See, what, what, what a waste of time. What are we doing here with that? What a waste of time this is. It's frustrating. I mean, because people that, you know, the rankings matter. They do matter. They get you. It's marginal, I know. And some people will tell me they don't at all, and it really doesn't. But, like, when you pull up top 25 games, more people see your team. That scroll on the bottom line, same thing. You, you can use it in recruiting. It, it helps with a lot of things. Um, Sam McEwen of Nebraska has Ohio State 3 in Oregon 8. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. How are you putting Ohio State 3 right now? How? You know, they're probably going to end up beating Michigan State and going to the playoff and stuff, but all you all you can really go by is what you have right now, right? And what you have right now are two teams with identical records, and one of them went on the road to the other and won. Without their best player, by the way, who is definitely an impact guy, like changes the course of games at Oregon. That defensive end is unbelievable. What a waste of time. What an absolute waste of time. Um, And and I'm excited for the playoff poll to come out, but there's going to be the same issues. It's going to be a committee of people that, that, you know, they try – to watch games and stuff. I, I believe they take their job seriously, but sometimes they put brand ahead of resume and that's it. And we're going to see it on Tuesday night. Watch. And I'll be here with you on Wednesday to complain about it some more because that's what I do. Because uh, that's what I do. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow with lines and, and all that stuff and get you ready for uh, for Arkansas and Liberty. A tricky game for Mississippi State. Uh, Arkansas team coming off uh, of an off week. Um, tough place to play in Fayetteville. Um, Arkansas is actually a five-point favorite, which surprised me a little bit. We'll get to all that tomorrow. Uh, but a huge opportunity for, for State here in a winnable game, but a tough game uh, on the road. And then you guys heard me uh, about Ole Miss and Liberty earlier. But anyway, don't forget to subscribe while you're here. Michael Borky on YouTube. Subscribe there. And uh, we'll talk about the weekend that will be coming up tomorrow morning. Then Wednesday, we'll have the poll coming out, and uh, we'll carry on as this week goes. So y'all be good. Thank you so much for for tuning in, as you always do, to the short uh, weekday live streams. And I'll be back with you uh, tomorrow morning. See y'all then. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.